when we do get there, or if, say, next week we get a surprise from the Fed that they're going to take the foot off the gas with respect to interest rate hikes, you know, I think that's going to be very positive for equities. Welcome to Views from the Desk, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these timely episodes, we provide the latest investment news and expert commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing. Brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. The Bank of Canada delivers a smaller-than-expected hike, raising its key interest rate by half a percentage point. In today's episode, portfolio managers Matt Montemuro, Chris Heeks, and your host Mackenzie Box examine the hiking cycle in real time. They also discuss tech giants' earnings, inflation's influence on fixed income, China's new Communist Party leadership, emerging markets, and the risk rally. Before we hear from the team, please consider subscribing to Views from the Desk on your preferred podcast platform. And for many more ETF insights and resources, visit the new and improved Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. Good morning and welcome to our BMO ETF's Weekly Insight Podcast with our team of experts. I'm your host today, Mackenzie Box, VP of Product and Strategy at BMO Global Asset Management. First off, I just want to thank everyone for taking the time to tune in. We greatly appreciate you listening in and providing feedback. Today, I'm joined by Matt Montemuro and Chris Heeks, who are both portfolio managers on our ETF desk. Thanks, Matt and Chris, for joining us today. Thanks for having us, Mackenzie. Great to be here. Well, let's get into it. The first question today is focused around the big announcement we saw this morning. Quite the timely recording we had today. We just had the Bank of Canada announcement at 10 a.m. Can you let us know what happened and how you expect markets to react? Looking ahead, does this change your view on the Bank of Canada's path heading into the end of the year and moving into 2023? Matt, we'll pass this one over to you. Thanks, Mackenzie. And yeah, definitely a timely day to be recording with the uh, Bank of Canada having just announced uh, about an hour ago. Uh, you know, last week we did see a surprise CPI print, which definitely put uh, this meeting on a little bit of a closer watch as, you know, I think some of us were hopeful that the worst was behind us um, and expected CPI to come in, um, come down a little bit more meaningful than it actually did. So, but, you know, on the bright side, it does look like we've hit or close to hitting peak inflation. Uh, and what we want to watch now is how effective the Bank of Canada and the Fed will be at taming inflation kind of in real time. You know, we're starting to see the economic impact of higher rates. So we're starting to see the labor market uh, starting to soften. We're seeing some of the stickier aspects of CPI seem to be loosening, which is a positive. Uh, and that means that the Bank of Canada has been effective or is starting to be effective at cooling prices. I think the real question here is how quickly do we start to see this reversal in CPI? You know, is it something that's going to lag? You know, generally, I think the consensus is that, you know, interest rate uh, hikes, you know, the real impact doesn't get seen for 18 to 24 months. And, and we're looking at kind of on a month to month basis here. So, you know, it's kind of uncharted territory a little bit. Um, you know, but after last week's CPI, I think the answer that we we all kind of came came about is let's not expect this to happen overnight. You know, it's not going to happen in a straight line either. Um, so we're going to see bumps along the way, and I, I would expect volatility to continue. 
as we try to navigate this challenging inflation path. So, you know, before I get into what happened today, let's talk about what the market was expecting to happen before the meeting. So we were the market was pricing in an 84% chance of a 75 basis point hike. You know, just in that last week since the CPI print, we saw uh, the likelihood of 75 beeps increase by, by over 50, 50%. The market expects the overnight rate to peak at around 440. So that's about 75 basis points today and just another about just about 50 basis points by March and April of next year. So, you know, the slowdown of hikes is expected after the first meeting of 2023. So this tells you that the market thinks that inflation has peaked and that the Bank of Canada has a little bit of work to do to ensure that it stays that way. But we're, we're nearing kind of that that uh, that peak uh, in, in the near term, which I think is a positive for markets. So, you know, looking at what actually happened today, this is really why we why we tune in. The Bank of Canada is surprised with a 50 basis point hike, but it did warn that there are more hikes to come. So, you know, although the market was pricing in 75, you know, we saw 50 from the Bank of Canada. This is the first surprise on the downside that we've seen in this entire hiking cycle. So the immediate market impact, we saw 10-year yields drop very materially, about 20 to 25 basis points from 345 to about 325. Uh, bonds are rallying in the immediate aftermath uh, of the decision. Uh, you know, I think overall, the market was very, very much uh, surprised. You know, the Bank of Canada uh, did say in some comments that uh, it expects inflation to be at 3% at the end of the next, at, at the end of next year. And in its statement, I, this is the one part that I really took out of the statement that came out at 10. And I'm reading from this, the, the statement here is, you know, the effects of recent policy rate increases are becoming evident in interest rate sensitive areas of the economy. Housing activity has re, uh, retreated sharply. Spending by businesses and households has softened. International demand is slowing exports. So, you know, with this uh, quote, I think they're saying that the economy is starting to feel the impact of rate hikes and that they feel that they can slow down the pace of these rate hikes, um, you know, as a result. You know, this could be the first signal that we are nearing the end of the hiking cycle um, and that we are uh, potentially we have already potentially experienced uh, peak inflation. So I think overall, I think that's probably a positive sign for markets. I think it's the direction that we expected, even though the Bank of Canada was a little bit more dovish in their um, in their uh, policy decision today at 50 beeps. So, you know, looking forward, I think we would expect between a 25 to 50 basis point uh, increase in December. So that would be very interesting to see, you know, do they continue to slow the pace or do they keep up on these kind of double up hikes with, with 50 beeps? And that's something that I think the market's going to have to digest for the remainder of the day and up until that, that December meeting. But that's just a quick overview of how quickly things can change in the market and how, uh, how market expectations, although can be a good thing to look at of, of what to expect, it also can get turned for a loop when uh, the Bank of Canada has other plans. So, you know, that's a, it's, a, it's very timely that we're having this conversation today. And uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of how markets react for the rest of the week. Great. Thanks, Matt. I think uh, everyone's kind of hoping that we're, uh, we're nearing the end. So we'll see what happens come December. Ready for tax time? 
Check out the BMO ETF's Tax Loss Harvesting Guide for 2022, which features trade ideas to help your clients navigate the year's end and harvest tax savings from underperforming securities. To learn the advantages, potential pitfalls, and best practices, access BMO ETF's Tax Loss Harvesting Guide today at bmoetfs.ca. Next, I want to turn it to Chris Heeks. Yesterday, we saw some headlines around some of the tech giants' earnings. We saw Alphabet come in below expectations and Microsoft forecasts fall short. Is this something we should expect to see with other large tech stocks? And can you comment on what this means for the tech sector going into 2023? Yeah, thanks, Mackenzie, and, and, and great to be here. So, yeah, for sure. You know, earnings have not been the savior of markets so far. I think it's fair to say. Uh, you know, Google, they noted a you know a, a market slowdown in ad revenue. Um, Microsoft, you saw the same thing, talking about a slowdown and weakening IT spending. So both those stocks were down about eight percent, kind of in the morning. We're seeing it recover a little bit, uh, but you saw some other weakness in terms of earnings. So Texas Instrument, you know, the chip slump. Um, affecting Texas Instruments down about 6%. Seagate was another one we saw down on the tech side. So, uh, yes, still looking for a little bit more upbeat in terms of, you know, an economic direction. You know, we talk about the good and the bad and the ugly. The good news is that's probably the ugly. We've gotten it out of the way uh, early. Uh, You know, the good is the broader take on earnings is it's it's not all, you know, negative. And there are some, certainly some bright spots. You know, there's a lot of earnings happening last week and and next week. Uh, Some of the ones that that really jumped out to me was uh, UPS uh, because we saw FedEx had a kind of a disastrous third quarter from a stock perspective where they pointed to uh, some upcoming weakness. UPS uh, says they're going to meet their 22 expectations. And so, you know, as a result, that stock was flat coming out of earnings, which which I think was a win given the negativity around that sector. Um, some other broad kind of bellwether type stocks, Visa and Coke, have also reported in, in a couple in recent days. Uh, both of those have beat expectations. And, and you know, so to see Visa and Coke uh, beating, I think it's a good sign for, for some of the strength in the underlying economy. You know, another one that kind of crossed uh, my radar was Norfolk Southern, so one of the big U.S. rails, you know, also beat on earnings. So uh, certainly some weakness in tech, and obviously Google and Microsoft are going to capture the headlines, you know, just given, you know, what important companies there are, but it's it's not across the board. Um, you know, I think just leveraging off that comment of the Bank of Canada is we'll see, you know, how this interest rate trajectory will take shape in the U.S. Of course, their their interest rate decision is coming in the next week. but it's not all bad, you know, by any means. So there were some bright spots in earnings. But, you know, in terms of how to position around it, you know, I think with tech is you still want to be invested in high quality names. So ZUQ comes to mind. That's a broad factor-based strategy, uh, but invest in high quality companies. And where it invests in tech, it, it invests in the best of the best. Um, Google and Microsoft are included. And, you know, when you have great quality companies like that trading down 8%, you know, to me, that presents a long-term opportunity. Um, you know, I'd also say UPS, Visa, and Coke, three of the other kind of broader economy names I mentioned, all, all three of those names are actually in ZUQ as well. So I think high quality is, is a good way to look at positioning. Um, and we're going to have to take like, a, I think, a two, three-year view on this for it, for it to be successful. But I think it's going to prove to be a good entry point 
Another one I like to play tech is the ZWT, our covered call technology. You know, I think the covered call is going to continue to add value in these in these choppy markets. Um, it holds 30 of the largest technology companies, um, you know, in IT, but also in other sectors as well, like like Google is in um, communication services. So um, it's a, I think that's going to be continue to be a solid way to play tech and you know, investors who are looking to tax loss switch, and we just put out a report, uh, but you can look at ZWT as somewhere to put some tech money there and perhaps uh, crystallize a loss on some other exposures. And and then just lastly, uh, Mackenzie, you know, I think pairing low vol with NASDAQ, you know, a defensive pair with a growth pair um, can be something that, you know, obviously we've talked about it before, but it's something investors can look at. Um, you know, I think you're seeing with this, you know, Bank of Canada and, and concerns of a slowdown, you know, we have to be prudent and have a balanced portfolio. Uh, but ZLU, you know, perhaps pairing with the ZQQ, the hedged NASDAQ, perhaps that's a good pair where you can pair, um, you know, that defensive strategy with a more growth oriented strategy. And that's one that we've seen be highly complementary over time. So that's kind of some thoughts on how to address kind of what we're seeing out of earnings and, and where the market might be going over the next six to 12 months. So of those four ETFs, I mentioned ZUQ, that's our BMO US high quality index ETF, ZWT, our BMO high uh, BMO covered call technology ETF, ZLU is our BMO US low volatility ETF, and ZQQ, our BMO NASDAQ hedged Canadian dollars index ETF. So you know, four tools there that I think investors can use to look at creating a more robust portfolio. Great. Thanks, Chris. I think it's uh, it's good to see that it's not all bad news across the board in terms of earnings. And it's nice to see um, a defensive pair and some great strategies that investors can use in their portfolio in these choppy markets. Next, we're going to turn it over to Matt. Last week, we saw another inflation surprise, which caused volatility to spike across all markets. Can you touch on what we saw in the fixed income markets? Uh, we've seen periods of volatility before, uh, but maybe if you can just speak to your view on liquidity in the bond market today versus other periods. I think the immediate impact was a sell-off of risk assets and rates rallying. We saw 10-year yields hit uh, one-year peaks, which, you know, given the absolute level of yields are, that also happened to be 10-year peaks. Um, you know, as the likelihood of higher rates for longer uh, did put a damper on kind of that quick recovery and those quick recovery hopes. You know, even although today we did see now a reversal of that with the Bank of Canada's action. So it'd be interesting to see as we as we move forward. Um, and since mid last week, you know, we do see some retracing with yields settling in at around that 345. So, you know, at, even though they blew out quite a bit. Uh, to about that 365 level, we did see some some repricing to 345, and then later today to about 325. Um, you know, as we're seeing the market trying to digest uh, the, the the news of of last week's CPI print and then today's Bank of Canada uh, announcement. With this spike, we did see bonds sell off and spreads widen. With this volatility, I often get asked, you know, how do, how does liquidity compare um, in the market today? versus other periods where, where we saw sell-offs. Uh, you know, most particularly, the most common uh, question I get is how does it compare to March 2020 during the COVID crisis? 
You know, and I think we are starting to see some cracks. We are starting to see some challenges in liquidity in the fixed income markets. You know, you're seeing bid-ask spreads. You know, they have widened over the last two to three months relative to where we were in the middle of the summer. We are hearing of increasing dealer inventory as dealers are kind of being uh, buyers of risk on the street. So, you know, that increasing inventory tends to lead to some illiquidity as, you know, if there's not a buyer on the other side, it leads uh, to less risk taking by dealers overall. We have continued to see investors de-risk or continue to wait on the sidelines for for that entry point or that buying opportunity. So there's just not a lot of uh, secondary trading, two-way trading right now. And, you know, so I think that does put uh kind of get your spidey senses going to, to start to get a little bit of having some some concerns about liquidity in the fixed income market you know i think there are some cracks there but i do think with all that being said we're nowhere near where we were in in terms of the liquidity squeeze that we saw in march 2020 we're not in an environment where we see that market pressure and that kind of one way one directional selling you know, while buyers are waiting for opportunity, there still are buyers out there. There are high conviction buyers that are looking to put on trades where, you know, in comparison to March 2020, we were all kind of going in the same direction. We were all looking to de-risk. We were all looking to sell to try to navigate some of the volatility that we're seeing. That's not what, what's happening today. You know, so although liquidity is more constrained than maybe it has been in a year or so. Um, that doesn't mean we're we're getting to levels where you know we are concerned about the the market structure or the stability of the market. So I think that's very important to to understand that you know although limit uh, uh, liquidity may be limited, there still are buyers in the market. There still is trades happening, and dealers are still willing to take take risk, uh, unlike they were t- taking in March 2020. You know, with with yields continuing to rise, you know we are seeing investors. Uh, take advantage of these rates. So while they try to figure out, you know, what's next, we see a lot of investors either de-risking in cash or looking in short-term fixed income. Uh, And and specifically, we're seeing a lot of interest in short-term ETFs as uh, as, uh, investors look to capitalize on some, you know, four to five percent yields in the short end uh, while they wait for their their opportunity to either move back into equity market or to lengthen their duration at, at, at a portfolio level. Now, I think this is where we're really seeing some of the results of uh, or the consequences of March 2020 come to play. Uh, we're con- continually seeing institutions uh, utilize the benefits of ETFs from a liquidity perspective, from a way to gauge liquidity in the market or gauge pricing in the market. Um, you know, prior to March 2020, it was probably it was uh, you know, not not the most common trade for an institution to have you know a, a portion of their portfolio in ETFs, and I think that's much more common today as uh, investors and institutions specifically use ETFs for the benefits of the liquidity that they uh, they have, especially during periods of market stress. So, you know, we definitely are seeing uh, ETS being used in new ways and and as a liquidity sleeve um, right now as investors look to park money on the sidelines waiting for that next kind of opportunity. So, you know, that's something we're seeing flows and something that we can kind of continue to monitor. You know, as you see uh, flows in and out of short-term bond ETFs, 
you can kind of see, you know, kind of trace where those flows go. Are they going into risk assets like equities? Are they going to fully cash or are they doing something in the middle like, you know, moving out the curve in, in fixed income? So, you know, always good to monitor those type of things. But I think from from a market fragility perspective, I think we are um, starting to see some constraints in liquidity, but we're nowhere near uh, concerning levels. I think it's just an opportunity. Uh, I think risk assets for the most part are just repricing and we're seeing uh, investors looking and kind of buying their time for for when they act next. Thanks, Matt. And it's nice to see, I think, uh, ETFs become even more exciting for investors in this type of market, given their liquidity. Are your clients flocking south for the winter? Check out BMO's top five Snowbird ETFs, which feature no U.S. estate tax exposure. To learn more, visit BMOETFs.ca and search for tickers ZWB.U, ZPay.U, ZWH.U, ZUS.U, and ZSP.U, or read our latest product insight. Next, we're going to turn it over to you, Chris, uh, with the recent re-election of President G and headlines about a weakened economic growth. Can you give us some insight on what this means for markets? Yeah, certainly. And uh, there's more excitement here. I know with markets, I feel like we've had a year's worth of excitement already and we still have a couple months to go. But, um, you know, so the re-election of G happened on Monday. Did cause a market move in, in emerging markets where we saw some weakness. I think from the casual perspective of, of observing China, you know, we we know Xi has a pretty strong uh, grip in terms of government uh, of that country. Uh, but what investors saw was that, you know, it was a strengthening of his position. His name was put into the Communist Party's charter. And you saw some of the reformers who were in inside that uh, cabinet were removed. So strengthened his position. You know, and I think what markets reacted to was an expectation of perhaps a harder line. Uh, so we saw some weakness in Hong Kong and, and weakness in Chinese markets as well. You know, policy has not been friendly over the past year in China. And, and you know, zero COVID, we talk about that a lot, uh, as well as increased regulations in certain sectors have, have been tough on, on, on that sector. So, you know, in terms of China, not, not a great week from a market perspective. I think it kind of reinforces the idea that, you know, a, a single country, you know, say a ZCH, which is our BMO, MSCI, China, ESG Leaders Index ETF, it's a buy for the brave. Uh, certainly the uh, valuation in emerging markets, China especially, but emerging markets generally, um, is very compelling. Uh, a lot of the demographics are certainly very compelling compared to develops, uh, developed markets and, and population growth is still obviously much stronger in emerging markets. Uh, but yeah, certainly a buy for the brave in China. Um, you know, one 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 of that I wanted to highlight was India. So our ETF ZID, the BMO MSCI India ESG Leaders ETF. Um, again, somewhere where you know, if you were looking to have emerging markets uh, exposure, this one is only down six percent this year. And you know, down six isn't too bad. Canada's down about ten, S and P's down about twenty this year. So India's been a place of strength, and and you know, a place where you're seeing some of those good news stories with regards to emerging markets. Uh, play out a little bit better without so much, uh, you know, kind of noise from, you know, in terms of government policy. Uh, so ZID, I think, is interesting. Uh, and then there's also ZEM, I just wanted to mention as a last one on emerging markets. So just the broad emerging markets, the BMO, MSCI Emerging Markets Index ETF, ZEM. 
you get those benefits of ET, you know, of, of ETFs in terms of better diversification, you know, not just exposure to China, but exposure to broader countries as well, including India. That one's down 24% this year. So in line with the NASDAQ. So, you know, I think there's still a lot, you know, I, th I think investors, you know, should be excited about long-term growth opportunities in emerging markets. Certainly there's a lot of noise right now. And, and, and those are a couple tools uh, that they could use to take some of the risk off the table in terms of emerging markets, or perhaps look at a country like India, where continue to see pretty strong performance out of that region. It's a bit of a darling in terms of emerging markets. Great. Thanks, Chris. And for the last question today, uh, we can make it a little bit more discussion-based. Um, markets rallied sharply since Friday, and it looks to be driven uh, predominantly by the key reversal that occurred in the U.S. 10-year yield and is amplified by the options expiry. Can you talk to us about what is going on in the 10-year yields and how this is supporting the markets? And what are the risks and what are some of the ways to participate in this? So, Matt, we'll start with you from a fixed income perspective. Sure. You know, after peaking around, uh, you know, four and a quarter, you know, we saw U.S. 10-year yields settle in at 404. So that's the uh, kind of reversal that that uh, that we were seeing, you know, and, and that's kind of where we are today. So we saw about 20 basis points of, of the 10-year come in. You know, and I think while we did see rates come in, I, I don't necessarily think that this is what's causing the risk rally. Uh, I think that's more of a uh, pendulum swinging back and, and kind of the the uh, the bonds overselling and then coming back to kind of finding an equilibrium. You know, I think we are seeing some positive signs um, in, in the economy. You know, we're seeing uh, a little bit of a cooling of a ho housing market. We're seeing both rental and home prices uh, softening, you know, we're seeing a softening labor market, you know, all of those positive signs are, are kind of showing that higher rates are working their way through, through the economy. They are tempering prices. Uh, therefore, you know, I think that the hope is that, you know, if, if this is, is starting to work now, it's going to have a longer term effect and hopefully inflation will be in our rear view mirror, uh, soon. So I think overall though, that the overall trend is still, you know, higher rates. So even though we saw a surprise from Bank of Canada today at 50 beeps, it's still 50 beeps higher. We're still expecting 75 basis point hike in the U.S. next week. You know, so I think although uh, relatively it is lower than what the market may have expected, I think we're still in that hiking phase. We're not done yet, but I think the positive is that we are nearing the end. So that could be a little bit of a cause for a risk rally. But I think this specific rally this week, uh, I don't think it is fueled by the tenure. I don't think, I think it's, it's, it's uh, coincidental that those are happening at the same time. I think they are more fueled by strong U.S. earnings that we've seen early in uh, earnings season. I think there's a technical buying of stocks right now at these levels. You know, I don't think this is as much rate related as some of the other rallies that we saw throughout the summer. So it will be something to, to monitor as, as earnings do continue to come in. Uh, you know, I think as of this week, we did see some misses, as Chris ha had discussed uh, earlier uh, on, on his, uh, I think, first question. Um, you know, so it is something as, as we go through earnings season, it'll be interesting to see how things uh, settle out. And if we continue to see the risk rally, the, the, the Fed will uh, be uh, having their announcement next week. So it'll be interesting to see if they follow suit with a 
similar undersized hike like the Bank of Canada at 50 beeps, or they go full forward with the 75 beeps. I think the market has a little bit more conviction in the U.S. and the Fed going 75 beeps. So it will be very interesting to see their path and if it differs from the tact that the Bank of Canada has used uh, this week. So, you know, I think these are uh, these are things that we all, we need to consider when we're uh, investing and looking for entry opportunities. But I think right now in the market, the only sure thing uh, is is, go- is that there's going to be volatility ahead and, and we're trying to protect ourselves where we can. Great. Thanks, Matt. And Chris, maybe we can just turn it to you to get your views on what this means for the equity markets. Yeah, I mean, for sure, the increasing interest rates, you know, the sector that that's really borne the brunt has been growth. And we've seen that with NASDAQ this year is down, you know, almost 30 percent and really, you know, have felt the pain of the interest rates. You know, to echo on, echo on what Matt has said is, you know, I think the market is starting to see, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel of perhaps getting close. Now, obviously, to to make that a reality, we're going to need to see inflation come a little bit under control. But, you know, listen, if we're going to you know talk about a little bit of an economic slowdown, you know, like a shallow recovery is maybe not such a bad outcome because that'll bring a little demand off the table. Interest rates can come down. Interest rate expectations can come down. And that can set up maybe for a productive uh, re- you know, recovery as, as we kind of head into maybe perhaps in the end of next year and into 2024. So I think that's uh, that's that's something that people are looking at. You know, one thing I just looking at the 10 year rate in the U.S., volatility in the rate itself has actually been trending down a little bit steadily since 2020. So uh, obviously there's flare ups of volatility and, and that's going to continue to happen. But, you know, the general trend is down and kind of starting to get closer to where we were pre-COVID in terms of the volatility. And, you know, I think the reason that's happening is that we are getting closer to the end of this hiking cycle. And, you know, when we do get there, or if, say, next week we get a surprise from the Fed that they're going to take the foot off the gas with respect to interest rate hikes, you know, I think that's going to be very positive for equities. I think it'll be positive for the NASDAQ especially, but you'll see, you know, growth strategies, you know, maybe get a little bit of a pep in their step. And, you know, I think that would be welcomed by equity investors to see, you know, a little bit of a slowing down in terms of that interest rate hike. So, yeah, no, again, I think, uh, you know, it looks like cautiously we're getting towards the end of it. Be great to see inflation come down a little bit. And then, uh, you know, I think that can set up well for equities going forward. And they've obviously endured a lot of pain this year. So I think, you know, better days are going to be ahead on a, on a one year and two year basis. Great. Thanks, Chris. I hope we are nearing the end of that. And I like your positivity. I think uh, everyone would look forward to that. Uh, Those are all the questions that we have for this week. Uh, I want to thank everyone for tuning in and listening to our weekly podcast. I also want to thank Matt and Chris for providing some great insight in these uncertain markets. And I want to wish everyone a great day. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thank you to Mackenzie Box, Matt Montemuro, and Chris Heeks for joining us on the BMO ETFs podcast. Today, we heard about the BMO Covered Call Technology ETF, ticker ZWT, which invests in large North American technology and tech-related companies such as Google and Microsoft while earning call option premiums. Our experts also discussed India as a place of strength. The BMO MSCI India ESG Leaders Index ETF, ticker ZID, provides exposure to diversified equities in the region. For more information about the ETFs discussed in this podcast, Check out the episode notes, contact your regional BMO ETF specialist, 
or visit the new and improved Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. That's bmoetfs.ca. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Commissions, management fees, and expenses, if any, all may be associated with investments in exchange-traded funds. Please read the ETF facts or prospectus before investing. Exchange-traded funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. Views from the Desk has been brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management.